Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Come on in for a little fado do at my house. Rosie on the house. Thank you for tuning in. Let's see if in this next hour we can't help you tackle something around your house, home, castle, or cabin. For 30 years, we've been answering Arizona homeowners' questions about their homes. We take those questions, we codify them, and put them on our website, rosieonthehouse.com, with the time-appropriate answer. So our website is like a encyclopedia of Arizona home ownership, and it's absolutely free to anyone that has a computer. Don't hesitate to use it and try and start any home improvement project there because it is Arizona-specific. It isn't generalized information on how to get things done on a home that may be located in the Midwest or the Southeast or Northwest or uh, the Midwest. It is Arizona specific. We are every Arizona homeowner's best friend. That's rosieonthehouse.com. Now in this hour, we want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. You can give us a ring at one 767 Let us know what you're trying to tackle. We'll see what we can't do to try and help you out. Uh, We do have an open line now. If you want to try and sneak in, it would be a great time to make that. that, uh, You don't dial phones anymore, do you? (laughs) Push those buttons. Whatever. Speed dial. Speed dial 188-767-4348. Plug it into your your, uh, speed dial. It's 1-888-ROSIE, the number 4, and the letter U. 1-888-ROSIE for you. We want to talk a little bit about an article we sent out in our email newsletter this week about opening up the insides of homes, Uh, the homes that were built in the 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, generally had every room isolated separately. In in the 90s, late mid-80s, 90s, and going forward, we've opened the inside of the homes up. There are people that tell me there is a trend right now where they're starting to close those back off. But I have to tell you, as a remodeler, uh, I have not seen that. No one has called me and said, come divide my big open family kitchen great room up into three separate spaces. (laughs) Haven't got that phone call yet, so I haven't seen that trend. But if you're still in a home that's begging to be opened up, I'm going to talk you all through here this hour on how you can do that, the things you need to consider to try and tackle that yourself. But we did promise to take calls as they came in. We have a call uh, from Shima, who has a particular question about a home improvement project she's trying to tackle. Let's see if we can visit with Shima. Good morning, Shima. How can I help you? Good morning, Ruzi. Um, I'd like to know if you could refer me to a company or someone that could soundproof uh, the bathroom walls. I have two bathrooms that they faces the living room, one of the walls. 
Okay. And uh, obviously there's no privacy. <laughs> And yeah. that's something you don't want to open up, right? right. Let's yeah. be clear about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, sh- I mean, it- I did my research, but I unfortunately I haven't found the company that it helps me. Some uh, suggested to do tiles, uh, all the walls, and um, I'm not sure if I would do that, but okay. it's something different than that. Well, let me ask you a few more questions. You mentioned that the bathroom wall shares a living room wall. So there's only yes. and and is can you tell Shima is the plumbing in that wall or no. Okay, that's good. That helps us a little bit, okay? Um in trying to stop sound, we have to ask mm-hmm. the sound wave to pass through as many different types of material as possible. And whoever mm-hmm. told you that tiling that wall uh, would help. That's a very good idea. Um, I doubt that that wall is insulated. You can call several foam injection companies that can poke a little hole in the drywall and fill that empty cavity with foam. That will help a little bit. We've got to take a look at possibly weather stripping the door that goes into the bathroom with as well a threshold and that threshold can be a disappearing spring-loaded threshold that goes into the bottom of the door when the door closes the spring actuator drops a rubber gasket down to the floor we've got to stop the sound traveling through the air first then we've got to ask it to pass through as many different materials as possible if we tile that wall it will help a lot it then has to pass through the tile, the thin set, the drywall. If we foam inject that wall, now it's got to pass through the foam. Then it has to pass through the other side of the drywall. Every time an acoustic wave has to transfer through a dissimilar material, it has to change frequency. Every time it changes frequency, it loses its energy. So the tile, the foam injection, and the weather stripping on the doors is going to be your best options, your best strategies. Another option would be, do you have a bath fan in that bath, an exhaust fan? Yes. Okay. The other option, this can be kind of hard to do. The other option is just go with a very high volume fan that will create a bit of white noise anytime anyone is in the bathroom using the bathroom. Those are going to be, the problem is that, you know, with technology over the last 30 years, everybody wants that bathroom fan to be quieter and quieter and quieter, uh, removing more and more air. And so it's hard to buy a noisy one, but you can buy an inline 400 to 600 CFM fan, uh, depending on how difficult that can be. It may or may not be an easier solution. But those are the tips I would tell you. The tile may be, a tile wainscoting may very well be a great place to start. All right. Um, do you have a company that you prefer for where, foaming? Where are you, Sean? Uh, I am on west of Happy Valley, this area called Hudson Valley. West of Happy Valley, uh, your Happy Valley Road, how far west? <laughs> 
55th Avenue. Okay. Uh, I would call Bram Flooring. Oh. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a showroom right there up in the Peoria area, and uh, I would have them come out and give you a quote for applying tile to that wall. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for answering my call. And then you've got a company called Thermal Advantage that could come out and foam inject the wall. And then you could use uh, any handyman to come out and put the auto actuator on the door. And uh, for that, I would tell you Handyman Connection or uh, Freddie Wilshire, uh, both handyman services that you can find on our website, rosyonthehouse.com. Noise and acoustic is uh, it that's that's one of the tougher challenges. Uh, it is so pervasive. When you said tile on the wall, you're talking about the interior wall in the bathroom, correct? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but you, you'll then you're going to ask the sound to echo off that hard surface, as opposed to it's going to easier to bounce off it than it is to pass through it. There's been many rock records recorded in bathrooms because the acoustics sound so good. That's, it's a true story. Supertramp is, is a, uh, a group that I remember. There's a saxophone part in one of their hit songs. It was recorded in a bathroom because the acoustics were perfect, bouncing off the tile wall. No, that's just one thing you're not going to learn anywhere else, except right here at Rosie on the House. We've got Marty lining up. Marty, I'm going to ask you just to hold on for a couple minutes. Uh, we'll take your question. We do have an open line. If you're listening and you'd like to join the conversation, one 767 I want to just touch on the beginning steps of opening your house up. And the number one step that you would have to probably bring in an engineer or someone very experienced that you trust, we need to determine if the wall you want to open up is load-bearing or not. That's going to make all the difference in what work needs to be done. And I will tell you this, load-bearing is generally a vertical load. It's supporting the roof rafters, holding them up for the drywall that's on your ceiling. But there's another structural element to interior walls called shear walls and we have to we have to prove to ourselves that it's not a load-bearing wall or it's not a shear wall we're just getting ready to start a kitchen remodel in Chandler that has very high ceilings with lots of glass and something told my production manager we better check that wall I think it's a shear wall and sure enough when we got into the engineering of it the wall the homeowner wanted to remove was a shear wall and that takes all kind of special structural engineering solutions so step one let's find out if it's a load-bearing wall in a vertical scenario holding up your rafters and then we have to decide that it's not a shear wall once we've decided that it's what we call a partition wall and baby It's really easy to open that up. And I'll take you through a few of those steps right after this short break. And we'll take Marty, who's calling from Mesa, who's got a swimming pool dilemma that we can solve. And we'll do all of that here at Rosie on the House, as well as take your call if you'd like to get in. 1-888-767-4348. 
we'll go ahead and bring Marty into the conversation, who's called from Mesa, Arizona. Good morning, Marty. What are you working on? Good morning, Rosie. It's nice to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. You betcha. It's what we're here so, for. Yeah, <laughs> we listen every Saturday, um, but I have a, I figured if anybody might know the answer or some people that have been around, it would be you. We have a 1970s um, paddock pool that is all tile. So the entire thing is tile. The owners that we bought the house from 20 years ago, she worked for paddock pool at the time. So she was able to get this pool done. Um, And again, it's all mosaic tile, um, 100% tile pool. And we love it. Um, We'd like to get some of the uh, tiles repaired um, and maybe regrouted. And we get people that look at it and that aren't familiar with kind of how expensive and how great this (laughs) vintage pool is. And they are like, oh, just rip all these tiles out and do all of these things. And we don't want to do that. We appreciate this vintage, beautiful tile pool, and we want to um, maintain it and keep it. So we thought you might know someone that's familiar with these type of pools and would be able to um, help us out. Well, it was something that was done. You mentioned the, the vintage era of that home and the pool. Uh, it was a very expensive option, but boy, it's a it's almost a permanent option. So what you're going to want to do uh, is you're is you're going to want to pull an old friend of mine out of retirement. Okay, <laughs> uh, call old, and I, I mean really old, old Tom Posterino, and his number is four eight zero four seven three. 8762. Now he's he's fully retired. He's become a gardener now. Uh, but he's got son-in-laws that are running the company right now, Posterino Pool Service. Uh, and they'll be able to use old Tom's knowledge and experience to get this problem solved for you. And I'm with you, Marty. If if I had a tile pool, I wouldn't give it up for anything. Uh, you use less chemicals than a plaster pool. It's a more permanent surface than a plaster pool. Uh, you've got a you, you, you've got a great swimming pool right there. So call old Tom, okay? And you said the last four digits are 876, is it zero? Two. Eight, 8762. Two, got it, okay. 8762. And we, and well, we really appreciate that, yeah. Okay. And we've got some great swimming pool companies in the Phoenix area. We've got Above and Beyond Pool Remodeling uh, out in Gilbert. We've got Desert Sun Pools up in North Phoenix. Omni Pools, of course, down in Tucson. But uh, Postal Reno uh, uh, is, of all those is the oldest. He's, he's like the Methuselah of swimming pool contractors. You've got the best chance that he may have set some of those tiles <laughs> yeah, that's back a, in well, the 70s. Well, she said it was a paddock. So uh, back in the day, paddock was the biggest pool ma- uh, builder in the state. So. I don't know where Tom got his start, but he could have been an apprentice there. I don't know. I I, 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 I think Tom got his start building the aqueducts of uh, Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marty, having a little bit fun here at Rosianna's. I hope Tom thinks we're having fun. <laughs> My phone hasn't blown up yet. All right, what have you got over there, Romy? You you, you were talking this, uh, yesterday in our show prep about some of the topics that uh, caught your attention and your passion this week. 
Well, an interesting one is the uh, the housing market and new home sales, or not not new home builds, but just you know home sales. They're expecting it to actually see an increase. Um, a lot of people over the last year, you know, hunkered and sheltered in place, um, and the percent of people that were you know just moved generally uh, as as basic numbers has stopped. So they are actually expecting it to see an even more of a, a surge now wow. of home sales. So just when you thought it couldn't get crazy enough, they're expecting it to be a very busy home sale uh this this summer the pace isn't gonna back off right now man and and be careful you think you think it's a great time to sell a home but if you do where are you you gonna move you gotta buy another one so (laughs) watch out uh this article and and in location 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 uh if you are looking for a new home uh they had a great article I, i'm assuming it's a great article i didn't read it the title was just uh, enough for me in the mansion section welcome to homeowners hell why you should avoid hoas <laughs> oh man hoas are a good thing a good thing uh like like john jay was talking earlier this morning they keep people tending their yard so you don't have to be embarrassed about what you're looking at across the street you know i've actually found that has kept people out of our neighborhood not my house but you have to pass one coming to ours that uh, a little rough has has been a, a key in deterring uh, more growth out there. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I used to give him a hard time, but now I'm actually kind of like, you know, I think this old boy's doing us a little uh, bit of a yeah, favor. Yeah, yeah, for the hermit in you, it's working very well, isn't it? You just you just go on about your slob self, son. I'm just fine <laughs> here. Oh, mercy. <laughs> We've got our weekly to-do coming up after bottom of the hour news. And if you'd like to join the conversation, it's one 767 That's one 888 for you Text questions to 411-923. Or you can email info at rosyonthehouse.com. It is the open home hour. Open to you, the Arizona homeowner, whenever you'd like to talk about your home, castle, or cabin. Arizona, it's Sanderson Ford country. This is just the kind of music that you jump in your Sanderson Ford and turn on the radio, roll down the windows, and cross the great state of Arizona. Maybe you're on Route 66. Maybe you're on Highway 83 down by Sonoya. Maybe you're driving past the Dragoons or the Chiricahuas. What a great state to be in. And if you're in a Sanderson Ford, you're in the best vehicle made for the job. And if car buying's on your to-do this week, it's got to be today. Sanderson Ford, never open on Sunday. 51st Avenue in Glendale, uh, open now on the lot. And you heard, if you joined us in our 8 o'clock hour, the testimonial from our staycation winners about the courtesy of the staff. Well, it's like that, uh, whether you're there for a staycation, you're there for a trade-in, you're there for service, you're there to buy a new vehicle. It's all about the relationship, and they want long-term relationships, so they go out of their way to treat you like family. That's why we haven't gone anywhere but Sanderson Ford for when it's time for us to upgrade our... Well, we'll Almost 40 years now. Woo! 
40 years of buying vehicles at Sanderson Ford. We like hanging out with winners. Uh, and Sanders Ford is the most award-winning Ford dealership in America. Get over to Glendale and find out why. And you can go take those road trip, trip cruises around the great state of Arizona if you keep up with your home maintenance and not bombarded, which is why That's we right. have That's our right. weekly to-do. It's designed to tackle one element of uh, home maintenance around your home castle or cabin. It's a lot easier to do a project a week than have uh, a weekend where you're trying to cram 30 projects down uh, off your checked off your list. And when you're trying to cram those, you know, a lot of times we rush things or force things uh, just to get them done. And it's never our best work. A lot of times it's where accidents happen. A lot of times it's where, uh, you know, it's, it's the difference between uh, a good short term, or not not a good short term, uh, a cheap short term solution versus uh, the a uh, good long term correct way to do it. And this week it's kind of uh, an, an interesting one. It's it's talking about open spaces, as we're you know is there, and particularly older homes. You know we like to compartmentalize. You know back in the fifties and sixties. And, you know, separate the kitchen from the living room. And, you know, how many times, you know, would an open space or seeing from your kitchen to your living room, uh, you know, open up your entire home? Some of those are load-bearing, some aren't. So it's just talking about, you know, re-looking at the, the layout of your home. Is it currently working or do you need some open space? Well... So we've talked a little bit about it as far as deciding in opening that space, are we dealing with a load-bearing wall or not? I've already covered what to look for and how to help determine that. Make sure before you start, you have confirmed this is a non-load-bearing wall. This is a non-sheer wall, okay? So the other thing you need to know is a lot of these closed-off rooms, like Romy mentioned, are older homes. Well, if your home is older than 1978, you really should have it tested before you start tearing things off the wall. We were using a lot of asbestos in our drywall mud back then. And you really ought to know if the drywall you're going to tear off is asbestos laden or not. And it's not an expensive test, but you ought to test it. And when you hire the person to come out and test it to determine if it's asbestos laden or not, have them go ahead and do the lead test as well to make sure some of the underlying paint isn't lead contaminated. So before you do any of the demo, before you ever get started, if your home predates, uh, it was outlawed in 78, we kind of used up inventory through about 80 or 81 if your home is in that era, spend the money to get asbestos and lead tested. Because if you test positive, then you're going to want to do the demo a different method. But let's assume you're newer than that or you have tested and we know for sure no asbestos, no lead. The first thing we're going to do is let's take a look around at the air conditioning registers that are all serving the areas I'm going to work in. 
the very first thing you want to do is go to the store and buy some rigid foam insulation and cut them the size of your air conditioning registers and stuff that in your register and tape it closed. Because removing drywall happens to be about the second or third dirtiest demo job you can do. And it's going to create a lot of dust that goes everywhere. Buy rolls of two mil plastic. Cover your kitchen, your food items. Cover your furniture. For goodness sakes, cover any carpeting because this drywall dust will get in there and settle and you'll never get it out. So mask generously. Block off your air conditioning register so the dust doesn't migrate into the duct system. So now that you've got it all completely protected, go in there and pencil out with a square and a level what size opening you want. This is all photographed for you in our newsletter, rosieonthehouse.com. Mark it out. Use an awl tool or a drywall saw or a, a hand drywall saw or a sawzall. And I, I like using a metal drywall knife because you're less apt to cut a plumbing line or an electrical line as if you were going to go in there with a sawzall. Do not take a sawzall with a 6 or 12 inch blade and try and cut both sides of the wall at the same time. Cut one side with a drywall knife. Say you're going to open it up to a 3 foot by 3 foot pass through. Chalk it. Use your razor blade knife. Cut through the drywall. Put a big X mark from one corner to the other corner and simply push it in and crack it and pull the sheetrock out. Now you've opened up one side and you can see, do I have any electrical or plumbing to relocate? Let's assume that you don't. Go to the other side of the room and now you can use a sawzall and cut the sheetrock and remove it. Now you've got a vis visible uh, open area. Take that sawzall, cut the studs out. It's non-load bearing, so it, you don't have to put a structural header in there or put in some cripple studs or anything get them out of there then you're going to take a two by four either in a metal stud or a wood stud and you're going to line it up with the cut you made on the sheetrock use sheetrock screws and simply anchor those jam header and sill plates in place then you're going to sheetrock wrap it apply your corner bead mud and tape it get the paint done and voila this is a job if you do it carefully and ensure it's non-load bearing, you're not penetrating or, or running the risk of cutting electrical or plumbing, this is a job you can do by yourself. And I know a lot of people that are scared of trying to tackle drywall products, drywall repairs, but don't be. The great thing about drywall is when you put it on, if you're not happy with it, it's still wet. Just scrape it all off and do it again. And I don't sand my drywall between coats anymore. It's just too dirty. I take a big four-inch sponge. I let the drywall mud dry in between coats. And then I just dampen a sponge and I rub it, accomplishing exactly the same thing the sanding did with one one-hundredth the amount of mess. So there's a couple tips on opening up walls. The other thing we do regularly is talk about the number one question that we're asked at the office and on our website, and it has to do with countertops. 
I want to talk about that in just a minute. Well, how about answering some calls that have come this week? Okay, let's go there. Um, Miss Catherine called in, and she would like to know, she has both gas and electric at her home. Um, She wants to convert her stovetop from the electric to the gas. Who does she call for that? I did not know how to answer her. Well, you have to start with a plumber. And we'll have to get the gas line run over to that particular area. And if she already has gas, is she sure it's not already stubbed out? And that a previous homeowner didn't just have an electric? I didn't it? think to ask for that. That would, that would certainly be worth checking for sure. So if, verify that. If that's the case, you know, someone like uh, Hassar could just come out and put in a new appliance. If the plumbing line is not there, then yes. It's a gas line, but it's, it's, a pl- it's covered under the license of a plumber and there's and there's two ways to bring gas to that kitchen area if it's not already there we have to do a load calculation a btu calculation of how how much gas are can all the appliances in your house use at one time if the heater's on the water heater's on and the clothes dryer are all gas and they're running at one time how big a pipe do we need to bring into the house to service all those and then as we as we reach each one of those appliances we downsize the pipe until we get down to the end of the line well if this kitchen was never plumbed for gas it's going to be very expensive to redo all the gas line in the house to accommodate it so generally what we do is we go back to the gas meter and we put a t in the line right there and we run one new designated line from there just to the kitchen area and we leave the rest of the gas line alone and and uh, i couldn't encourage you to do it more uh i've i you'll you'll be tickled to death i will not buy or live in a home that isn't dual energy for a million reasons love our gas cooktop for sure and the dryer being able to dry your clothes any time of day is really special (laughs) well and the furnace i mean just the heat it gives you in the winter as opposed to a heat pump uh for for a million reasons i just love gas and then you're never having to fill propane tanks for your barbecue uh i just love a natural gas house okay a couple more real quick okay fire away and then we'll get to countertops okay so you know uh carol is usually here with us on saturdays and she missed last saturday and she said hey did Dad mention supercooling? And I said, yeah, why? And she said, because my inbox is full of supercooling questions. <laughs> so, you know, we don't have time to go into the full thing. We'll have some upcoming topics on that. But just three quick questions. This person wants to know, you know, since the APS plans have changed, is supercooling still worth it? Absolutely. Uh, question number two, do you have to go supercooling like all the way? Like these, this couple was getting older. They didn't want to be as cold as you, know, <laughs> you like to recommend. Can you still save money if you don't do the full Yes, deal? yes, you can. The more aggressive you are, the more money you will save. But you do not have to go full tilt, rosy, aggressive. Okay, last one. When do you start supercooling? I, I really couldn't answer, I guess, when it gets hot? Well, anytime your air conditioning is, is, when it gets warm to the point your air conditioning is running through the middle of the afternoon, to keep your house cool, it's time to start supercooling because what you're trying to do is you're going to get on a time of day use plan, okay? Don't use the standard plan. Get on time of use and you're going to want to move all your purchasing of electricity to off-peak. It is not too hard 
to get to a point where you're buying 70 or 80 or 85% of your power off peak. If you get really aggressive at my house in the middle of the summer, we're buying 90 to 95% of the power that we use all day long off peak. And on peak, my house just completely sleeps. The air conditioners never come on. Uh, the pool pump doesn't run. Nothing electric is turned on. And when you get to that point, you can get your kilowatt, average kilowatt price to well below 15 cents. You can get it to 12 or 13 cents. And at that, your electric bill is a very palatable monthly invoice. So we'll be covering more super cooling, but I want to get to countertops and we're going to have to get to it right after this short break, but it is the most asked question. Countertop preference and countertop maintenance and cleaning. Couple tips from Rosie. Final segment here of our weekly radio broadcast. I want to get to takeaways, but we do need to cover countertops real quick. Another one of those industries, depending on what type of countertop you're going with, uh, you know, the, the supply chain disruption is real. Oh, and baby. <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't man. know if this has gotten any better, but I do remember there was one particular mining company. You know, a lot of our, your, your quartz, your uh, solid surfaces, uh, granite, you know, all those are mined. And the, a lot of those mines are in Italy, South America, China. But there was one particular mine that they were in America. They would mine it, put it on a tanker, send it overseas to have it cut and fabricated wow. into slabs, and then shipped back. I thought that has got to be, you know... The, it, the amount of fuel it would take to ship it, well, it takes when, a month to cross the Pacific. Well, when we when we meet with homeowners who want to remodel their kitchen, particularly, countertops always comes up. And I can tell you that I would say in the last five years, 90% of the countertops we're installing, regardless of the price of the home, it could be an uh, economy home or starter home, um, second move up home or a luxury home, we're, it, it's almost completely dominated by quartz uh, as opposed to natural stone. Uh, it's quartz uh, in our own home. Uh, it's quartz at the office. And it's because it is a natural product, but it's bound by resins that make it virtually indestructible. And it will look good for years. You have to be a little careful about acidic products. Grapefruit juice, don't use lime juice to clean it, things like that. You just want to use a little mild soap and water, and it stays looking like new forever. They've got so many different looks of quartz now. It can really fool you as to appear as a natural stone. Uh, I don't know. Uh Quartz is the monster in the countertop industry right now, but there's other great products. You you can go natural stone, uh, but you're gonna you're gonna spend a little bit more time and effort uh, keeping it up and keeping it sealed. 
I think the attraction there on the the higher end homes that people are doing the custom remodels is knowing that when you pick out your slab, you know, there's no other slab no. in the world yep. that's going to look like that one. It's it's like a, I, 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 you know, you, you can't control no. how it's mined out that's of the right. ground and the the way the the mineral formation is. So that, that seemed to be something that attracted that. But like you said, with all the different patterns in the, oh, the courts, you you can get that same effect. All right. So countertops. Quartz is the big monster out there. Uh, if you're contemplating a kitchen or bath remodel, I would encourage you for the fact of how many different looks it comes in and how low maintenance it is, uh, you ought to take a look at it. Now, for me, in my kitchen, I'm always going to have butcher block. I, I just like cooking, prepping, fixing, cleaning, butcher block, wood, countertops. I was in a, in a, a home yesterday in Paradise Valley with stainless steel countertops. Very clean, very hygienic, but kind of kind of sterile, you know? And yeah, I don't think I could. I don't mind stainless steel, like appliance finishes, backsplashes, but a, a stainless steel countertop? The, I love seeing it in a restaurant because, you know, it's yeah. an easy yeah. to clean surface. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's certainly very industrial. Enough. All right, real quick, what are our takeaways? Eight o'clock. My takeaway is pre-emergent, pre-emergent, pre-emergent. If it's, uh, yeah, if you're not already infested. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> may need to go do a treatment first. Uh, I'd really like that. Uh, I, I want to go just get a gallon of that 10-year paint that's thicker, twice as thick, just to play with it. Well. It sounds very it, in, in, interesting. That's all we talked about in the 9 o'clock hour was the uh, Arizona Paint Company's 10-year paint guarantee and the paint they're applying, the Sherwin-Williams brand, as well as the offer they made for all the Rosie on the House listeners, they'll include a free upgrade to that microbicidal paint that kills 99% of the germs on the wall you paint it for up to four years. So if you're in the mood for a paint job, don't pass up that opportunity to jump on the Rosie on the House special. You can find that information on our Facebook page if you weren't fast enough to write it down. And also a, a nice link about some different resources if you're one of the many people who are just beginning to garden. And there's a lot of those. If you have questions between now and next week, rosieonthehouse.com, R-O-S-I-E, onthehouse.com. Or this phone number now gets forwarded back to the office, and it's manned Monday through Friday, one 767 4348 We'll be back next Saturday starting at 8 o'clock sharp here at Rosie on the House.